Good morning. My name is David Blackburn. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Fellowship. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us on this Thanksgiving weekend. When I told my wife what topic I'd be preaching on today, I confessed to her that I knew at least one person needed to hear it. Me. See, we had the benefit of being able to preach to ourselves up here. I told her that I knew at least one person needed to hear this message. You see, I have a lot to learn about this topic, and occasionally I find myself struggling with it. So please know that as I stand here before you, I am humbled to admit this message really hits home with me. Rudyard Kipling was an English author who wrote one of the best-known children's books of all time. Anyone want to venture a guess with just that much information? Jungle Book, very good. Ricky Ticky Tavi and all that good stuff. Have you read that book or seen the movie? I went online and there's a there's a, a version that goes way back in the 30s, but now we have the animated version that we all enjoy. As a Nobel Prize winning author of the early 20th century, Rudyard Kipling made a considerable amount of money. At one time, a newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I heard that uh, somebody has calculated that every word you write, you get $100 per word for the writing. Kipling was taken aback a little bit, and he said, uh, Really? I certainly wasn't aware of that. Well, the reporter kept pressing the issue, and cynically, he reached into his pocket. He pulled out $100. He gave it to Kipling, and he said, here is $100, Mr. Kipling. Now give me one of your $100 words. Well, you know, Rudyard Kipling looked at that $100. He put it in his pocket, and he simply said, thanks. (laughs) Well, I would say that the word thanks is certainly a $100 word. In fact, it's more like a $1,000 word. It's such a valuable word because it's one word that is too seldom heard. It's one word that is too rarely spoken. It's a word that's too often forgotten. And right now, at the beginning of this message, I want us to uh, stop and think of one thing that we're thankful for this morning. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job, your health. Maybe you're thankful for Jesus. So I want you to just get that mental image of that thing, that person right now. And I want us to bow our heads. And I want us just to use one word to our Heavenly Father. And I'm going to say it with you together. It's that word thanks. So when you have that mental picture, let's say it together. Thanks. 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 If any nation in the world ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, I believe it ought to be America. I'm proud to be an American, thankful to be an American. And if any people in America ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness and mercy 
to them, it ought to be those of us who call ourselves Christians. Paul writes this to us. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In this one verse of Scripture, the Apostle Paul gives us three reasons why we should be thankful. Number one, it's a demand from God. Did you know that we're commanded to give thanks? I'm no Greek scholar. That's Pastor Talkington. Ask him a Greek word. Ask him for one of those Greek words after church. But I'm told that the Greek word, a verb, for give thanks is in the imperative tense. So in other words, giving thanks is as much a commandment as one of the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. And we need to understand that anything that is commanded by God is also commended by God. You know, see, if God commands us to do something, he knows it's good for us. God knows that a grateful, thankful person is going to be a happier person. He knows a grateful, thankful person is going to be a healthier person. And he also knows a grateful, thankful person will be a holier person. Giving thanks isn't an option. It's an obligation. We're as obligated to give God our thanks as we are to obey any of the Ten Commandments. Shakespeare once said this, How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. I'm not going to ask for the show of hands of those who have thankless children. But maybe he knew a child like this child. A young boy who was given an orange by a man in his church through some kind of Christmas program. And the boy's mother was there and said, uh, what do you say, Johnny? The boy thought about the orange and looked at the orange and he handed the orange back to the man. And he said, peel it. And, you know, for some reason, I don't think that's the answer Johnny's mother was looking for. In our scripture that we read, Paul's telling us there are no exceptions and no excuses. We are to give thanks to God. No matter what our circumstances, we're to be thankful to God. Being thankful is at the very center of Christian living and attitude. It's the heart of thanks living. Now, on the flip side of that, being unthankful is at the center of an unbelieving heart. When Paul describes people without Christ, he says this about them. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give what? Give thanks. This is the indictment on the non-Christian in Paul's day, as well as those now living in the 21st century. That although these people know about God through nature, the beauty of God's creation, they know about God through their own conscience internally, they don't honor God or give Him thanks. Someone has said that Christians are never more like unbelievers or non-Christians than when they're ungrateful. 
and they fail to thank God for his many blessings in their lives. Well, let's consider some things that hinder us in giving thanks to God. One is doubt. This is doubt about God. Doubt about God and his character. Doubt about his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his compassion. And this person even doubts God's word can be trusted. If we doubt God and God's promises to us in his word, then we're doubting, excuse me, God's truthfulness. And it's impossible for you or me to be thankful when we doubt God and his promises. Or maybe you doubt God's sovereign power. Maybe you think, well, you know, God means well, but he just can't pull off what I need in my life. He doesn't have the power to deal with it. He can't work out this particular thing going on in my life because it's too complex, too difficult. You see, I've got a problem that's bigger than God. We just concluded a series, a great series, on the miracles of Jesus. Who was God in human form? And I think those of us who were in that series and heard those messages can agree that one thing we learn from that series is nothing is impossible with God. Always remember that God's power is more than enough for any circumstance you have today. 1 John 4, 3 says God is love. And maybe some here even doubt that. They say to themselves, you know, God would never have let that thing happen to me if he really loved me. Or I wouldn't be going through this tough time in my life if God truly loved me. Been there. Done that. When we're tempted to think God doesn't love us, I would remind you to think on this verse. But God showed how much he loved us by having Christ die for us, even though we were sinful. To me, that's love. That's love. Selfishness is another hindrance to giving thanks to God. This kind of selfishness says, look, I don't want it the way it is. I want it the way I want it. I'm not happy with the way God is working out my life. I'm not content with the circumstances that are taking place in my life. I don't want it like this. I want it this way. Selfishness basically says, God, I want to be in charge. I want to run my own life. I want to call the shots. This person and I'm sure there's no one in here that would fit this description. But this person believes their will is more important than God's will. They believe their plan is more important than God's plan for them. Selfishness says, you know, I want my life this way. I want my job this way. I want my career this way. I want my church this way. I want my spouse this way. I want my kids this way. I want, I want, I want. The problem is, 
if God doesn't put it all together just the way we want, then our selfishness gives birth to a thankless spirit. A third hindrance to a thankful heart would be what I call an idea of worldliness or the love of the world. This is the person whose heart is filled with the desire for pleasure, prestige, popularity, possessions, wrapped up in the world, filled up with the pursuit of the trivia, all the stuff of the world, all the things, all the acclaim, all the recognition, all the stuff, friends, if we stop and think about it, that is passing away and has no eternal value. These people have had their hearts set on some pleasurable experience or or some accomplishment in life. They've had their eye on some kind of prestige they wanted to achieve, some popularity they wanted to gain, and it hasn't happened. And because it hasn't happened, they've turned against God and they're unthankful and they're ungrateful. And I'm sure that all of us know someone like that. And maybe there have been times in our life that it would describe us. People without thanksgiving in their life because they were wrapped up in the things of the world and this life and what they hoped to gain from them. And because of this, they let the love of the world and the love of life, the things of life, crowd out their love for God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe these folks should have paid attention to something I came across written by Bible teacher Steve Brown. He says, the most unhappy person in the world is not someone who didn't get what he or she wanted. The most unhappy person is the one who got what he or she wanted and then found out it wasn't as wonderful as expected. The secret of a happy life is not to get what you want, but to live with what you've got. Most of us spend our lives concentrating on what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we do have. And I would say amen to that. A critical spirit is another hindrance to giving thanks to God. A person who's bitter, a person who's negative, person who has a bad attitude on life, makes for a critical spirit. It can be produced by a number of things, but warning, if it's not dealt with, that critical spirit can destroy a thankful heart. It will make a person useless to God and a pain in the you-know-where to everybody else around them. Just like acid can corrode metal, a critical spirit, a critical heart will corrode our spirit and our heart. And consequently, it will corrode our love and concern for God and for other people around us. Impatience is a fifth hindrance to a thankful life and heart. Some people don't give thanks simply because God's not moving according to their schedule. They don't want to wait for the process that God has in plan and in store for their lives. They want instant gratification. Their mantra is now, 
now, now. They can't stop and, and pull back and say, thank you, Lord. I can see your hand at work in this. See how you're working in my life. Oh, yeah, Lord, the process is slow. But I trust what you're doing, and I thank you for it, God. No, these are the people that want it now. They can't wait patiently on God to accomplish his purposes in their lives. They want God to work for them on their time frame, make it happen according to their schedules. And impatience, dear friends, will destroy thankfulness in your life and mine. We need to learn to thank God for his process in our lives. No matter how slow we may perceive it, God is working. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Our last hindrance to a thankful heart is spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy saps our hearts of thanksgiving. Sad to say, many hearts have grown lukewarm In churches all across America, just like in the book of Revelation, there was a group of people called the Laodiceans, and their hearts had grown lukewarm toward Christ. Lukewarm hearts usually mean lack of love for Christ, lack of zeal for Christian service, serving Him, lack of diligence for spiritual disciplines such as church attendance, Bible reading, Prayer. You see, many people who once ran really hot for God, ran after the things of God, have grown lukewarm, quit going to church, haven't picked up their Bible for months, quit praying, quit being faithful in leading their family to serve Christ. Friends, if you don't lead your children to serve Christ, no one else will. Never forget that a lukewarm heart is an apathetic heart that has little or no room for thankfulness to God. Well, can you think of a three-letter word that God would use to describe any of these six hindrances? I can. And when we have these, be it one or all of them, in our lives... They will work against the command of God to give thanks. Fortunately, as Christians, you know, we can seek forgiveness and ask God to help us in these areas where we struggle. And if we're honest today, probably found ourselves in one or more of those. Again, remember I told you I'm preaching to me. Not only is thanksgiving a demand of God, it's the delight of God. Paul tells us we're to give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Now those three words, in all circumstances, help make this verse so difficult for me. Now if God were to say, Thank God in most circumstances. You know, I could, I could live with that. 
If we were told to thank God for good circumstances, man, I'm on board with that one. But Paul says, hey, David, you're to give thanks in all circumstances. Whoa. And that tells me that thanksgiving is more than a feeling. Nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to feel thankful. Giving thanks has nothing to do with my feelings. Whether things are good or or bad in my life, whether it's sunny or rainy. Wasn't that a wet Thanksgiving? Whoa. Whether you've got money in the bank or not, we're to be thankful. You know, it seems obvious, but we're to be thankful for the blessings of life. In Psalm 10.22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. According to that verse, as a Christian, you've been blessed by God, and if you've been blessed by God, you're rich. Now, the problem is our definition of rich. I like the definition of a Christian that said, a Christian is someone who doesn't consult their checkbook to see how rich they really are. Do you thank God for the blessings of life? You know, I mean just the simple, everyday, basic blessings. For example, food. Do you thank God for the food you have at home in the refrigerator, in the freezer, uh, in your cupboards, in your cabinets? How many call them cupboards? How many? If you call them cupboards, raise your hand. Cabinets? You don't have any, is that it? <laughs> okay, that's well, cabinets. So I'll start using cabinets. You're thankful for the food in your cabinets at home. Do you know nearly one billion people in the world go to bed hungry every night? One out of six? And as a matter of fact, I calculated this. Over 600 people will starve to death in the world before our worship service is over this morning. And in all, over 14,000 people will starve to death today in the world. And 3,000 of them will be precious children. Do you ever thank God for water? Boy, I do when I'm up here preaching. That wasn't even in my notes. Water. Not only to drink, but for sanitation purposes. Polluted water and the lack of basic sanitation claim the lives of one and a half million children each year in the world. Again, one billion people in the world lack safe drinking water. The average American uses 70 gallons of water inside the house every day and never gives it a second thought, except maybe when the water bill comes. You know how grateful... And thankful we should be for the blessings of God. Just food and water. And of course, so much more that we could take all day talking about it. Have you discovered some of the best blessings in life are not the biggest ones, but the smallest ones? I heard the story of a pastor in a small country church who decided one Sunday night. He was going to have a testimony time. Does anyone know what a testimony time is? A few hands. 
Maybe you attended that church. I know what a testimony time is. The pastor asked people to stand and just say something they were thankful for. And the oldest member of the church, a little old lady, about 90 years old, stood up and said, Well, pastor, I only have four teeth, but thank God they all meet. I love that heart. Here's a list of things that mom are thankful for. For dishwashers, because they make it possible for us to get out of the kitchen before they come back in for their after-dinner snacks. For husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house because they usually make them so bad that they can call in the professionals. For children who put away their things and clean up after themselves, they're such a joy that you hate to see them leave and go to their own homes. For teenagers, because they give parents an opportunity to learn a second language. And finally, moms are thankful for smoke alarms because they let you know when the turkey's done. And I hope that wasn't the case in your house on Thursday. Paul tells us, give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. I don't know that we're to be thankful for the troubles, the trials, and the tribulations of life. But I do know we're to be thankful in the middle of those troubles, trials, and tribulations. That kind of attitude on our part will bring the delight of God toward us. Paul writes in Romans 8.28, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. One of my favorite Bible teachers, John MacArthur, pastor of a large church in Southern California, He wrote this in reference to Romans 8.28. He said, In His providence, God orchestrates every event in life to accomplish both our temporal and eternal benefit. We need to remember that everything that happens to us also happens for us. In the middle of every situation we face, Regardless of how terrible it may be, remember, God will cause it to work for our good and His glory. And for that, we can be thankful. Matthew Henry was a famous 17th century Bible teacher. And he was once robbed by some street thieves of all the money that he had on him. That night, he went back to his hotel room. And he wrote these words in his diary. He said, I thank thee first, God, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my money, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took all that I had, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I Who robbed? See, I'm not sure I'd be able to do what Matthew Henry did in that 
same situation. But I know he wrote from the attitude of a thankful heart. On October 3rd, 1789, George Washington declared that Thursday, November 26, 1789, be set aside as a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. In October 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln issued a proclamation calling for the observance of a national holiday on the fourth Thursday of November. And that is what we have done in America for nearly 150 years. A holiday, one day of the year to, quote, give thanks. Or is it really just to get adequately nourished for the event called Black Friday? Please don't tell me you were out standing in line at 4 o'clock on Friday. Well, if you're a child of God, a child of God means one who's had their sins forgiven and they're born again as Jesus described in John chapter 3. You have a home in heaven reserved for you. And someday you're going to live eternally with God. For me, from my perspective, that makes every day a day of thanksgiving. Not just the fourth Thursday in November. Finally, not only is thanksgiving a demand of God, a delight of God, it's desired by God. We're to give thanks, Paul said, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God desires that we be people that give thanks. Just like Johnny's mother wanted him to thank that man for the orange. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be people who give thanks. I can't tell you what God's will is for your life. But in this instance, I believe I can. It's always God's will for you and for me to be thankful. Do you know why giving thanks pleases the Lord so much and and why he desires it? Well, God knows that a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude is the mark of a growing Christian. Thanksgiving, not the day, but the thanksgiving is a real test of the kind of character that we have. I believe I can tell you how spiritually mature you really are. By whether or not you have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. You see, thanksgiving makes it possible to have thanks living. God always knows, or excuse me, God knows that thanksgiving is also the mark of a giving Christian. Not only a growing Christian, but a giving Christian. And how appropriate that we have the angel tree in the commons this morning. And my heart's been warmed as I've seen many of you go even before service and before most of you here, some of the cafe personnel, volunteers, were pulling off the angel tags because we have set a a goal to be people 
who give in this church. Give out of hearts of thanksgiving, not only to each other, but to those outside of our walls. If for no other reason, even if God didn't command it in his word, we ought to give generously to God's work. And I thank you in advance for stripping that tree of all those angel tags in the next two weeks. We ought to give just out of gratitude for what he's done for us. And I'm convinced that if we're a grateful, thankful Christian, we will be a giving Christian. I read this somewhere. Thanksgiving, to be truly thanksgiving, is first thanks, then giving. You've probably read this or heard this. You can give without being thankful, but you can't be thankful without what? Giving. And I believe it. Psalm 92.1 says, read it with me. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Let's do it again. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Why is it good? Because gratitude and thanksgiving will change our lives. It will draw us close to God. And it will in turn draw God close to us. I read a story recently that I think sums it all up for us. An organization was having a fundraising dinner. When it was time to donate to the cause, a couple stood up and said they were going to give $1,000 in the name of their son who was killed in Vietnam. A lady sitting in the audience leaned over to her husband and said, Honey, let's give $1,000 in honor of our son. The husband said, well, why should we do that? Our son wasn't killed in Vietnam. His wife smiled at him and said, that's just it. Let's give out of gratitude that he's alive and healthy. She said, dear, we have so much to be thankful for. And like that mother at that banquet, I believe all of us, could say today, we have so much to be thankful for. We're living in tough times. I know that. I can read. And I know the pain that some of you are experiencing because of the economy that we're in. The Bible warns us, friends, that it's going to actually get worse before the return of the Lord. But not only is the Bible full of warning for us, It also tells us how to survive in days like these. And if we hold on to what God tells us, no matter what the prognosticators, the economists, the politicians tell us, if we hold on to what God tells us, we will be victorious as the people of God now and forever. Flip me on through that, will you please? Leave the screen up there, though. Thank you. I'm sure we all want God's peace in our hearts and minds. I know I do. 
not only today on Sunday, after Thanksgiving, I seek God's peace in my mind and heart every day. You want to be victorious in Christ. I know that's your desire. It's my desire. You know, I know that we have some great cooks in this church. You've probably used some recipes the last few days to, to make some wonderful food for your family. In this scripture passage, I see it as God's recipe for us to have the peace we want and need in the times that we are living in. And I, I want us to read it together because this is God's recipe for the people at Faith Fellowship Church, November 28th, 2010. Let's read it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's the recipe. Be anxious in nothing. Pray in everything. Give thanks in anything, in any circumstance. If we do these consistently, in the good, the bad, everything in between, we will be victorious in Christ. And we will have the covering and the protection and the provision of our Lord now and forever. I'm going to pray and the band's coming out. And after the band is finished, I'm going to be at the front here. And if anybody wants prayer, Marlene's going to come down with me. And if you want prayer about anything in your life, just come forward and we'd like to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you love us so much that you did send your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. The greatest blessing that we have today. And Lord, I know we can thank you for water and food and shelter and go on and on and on. You've been so very good to all of us. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that because of Jesus, we can be forgiven we can live eternally with you. Lord, I pray your blessings on our church. And our church, Lord, is the people. You know that. We know that. So I pray your blessings on our people today. Lord, help us when we fail to give you thanks for all the good things that you bring into our lives. We love you today, and we want to serve you It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.